Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, this is Note to Self, and I'm your host, Peyton Sarton. From Q&As and breakup tips to simply navigating every stage of life, Note to Self is a space to get messy, explore new perspectives, and ultimately empower yourself and others. Grab some wine or a mocktail, and I hope you enjoy today's episode. All right, y'all. I am finally a DC resident, at least for the next five months or so. She's moved. She's relatively organized. And I'm ready to get my life started again. I feel like moving always makes me in just like such a weird mood because you're so focused on like getting out of your apartment quickly, getting into the new one quickly, doing all of like the basic needs for moving. I actually have a full moving episode, by the way, sharing with y'all how I get prepped for a move and then let's like mentally and physically prepare to move somewhere because I do it so often and have done it so often in my life. That's episode 26. So if any of you guys are moving, I highly recommend that episode. Also, I'm posting a YouTube video at the end of this week, or I guess the beginning of next week and the following week about moving out of my place in Dallas. And then the following is going to be moving into my DC place. So I can't wait to show you all the apartment. It is so freaking cute. I'm overlooking a river right now while I'm recording this. And Joe finally got here while I'm recording this uh, yesterday and he'll be in and out of DC in the next couple of weeks. So I finally am feeling like settled after being here for a full week. It just takes so long to just reset and settle after something like this. So she's here. She's good. I'm happy and excited to get the podcast rolling, um, especially as part of a Dear Media family or really new to the Dear Media family. I feel like this is like era number two, year number two for Note to Self. So other than just doing some basic DC exploration, I don't really have that much of a life update for y'all. I feel like I filmed so much via vlog that y'all can go look at those if you want to. So I thought, you know, let's just get into this episode with Bria. I have been wanting to talk about advocating for yourself in terms of like women's health issues and just things that many of us deal with. I was recently diagnosed with PCOS and honestly, I haven't had much time to like actually sit down and get well acquainted with what that means. And how I need to change my lifestyle to, you know, help my body deal with this diagnosis. And I know a lot of people, at least I've noticed who follow me on social media deal with PCOS too, because I've gotten so many questions and I'm like, yo, I really don't have any answers. (laughs) 
So this actually couldn't come at a better time to actually open the discussion and start talking about this with my friend, Bria. She's very open about her journey with uh, PMDD and just like hormonal issues. And then her journey with kind of getting healthier, overcoming almost like an addiction to the gym and counting macros and just something that really wasn't wonderful for her mental health and her experience. So I'm super pumped to have her talking about that today because I needed someone to help me eloquently talk about that. And she knows more about it than I do because she's been going through this process for a while. So if you guys are dealing with anything like PCOS, PMDD, I think this is going to be a good episode for you. If anything, just to make you feel like you are not alone in this. So episode 30 was Bria's first appearance on Note to Self and the last one. It's talking more about money this time and using abundance mindset to make more money, which I thought was such a good episode. And I loved her take on all things finances that we discussed at least. And that's episode 30. So if you like this one, definitely go listen to that one as well. Or if you just want to hear more about manifestation and money, that's a great episode to listen to too. For those of you who do not know Bria, she is someone I'm lucky enough to consider a friend, especially in the influencer space and a Dallas girl as well. Bria is a content creator. I love her content on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram, and she's soon to launch or relaunch uh, a podcast of her own. So without further ado, let's get into Bria's episode. All right, guys. So I am sitting here with Bria. We are in her apartment. I can hear her cute little dog <laughs> uh, held captive in the room right behind us. Sweet Bubby. He's listening in. And we're going to talk today about a recent health situation she's found herself in, which I think is just a great example of all of the problems that many us women face in when it comes to taking care of our health and kind of vouching for ourselves and kind of why we get in the situations we get in health-wise. And I just feel like your story is just such a good example of that. And then we can talk more about, you know, both of our experiences and mm-hmm. kind of how we found ways to help ourselves. So let's go ahead. And Bria's been on the podcast before, so you've already kind of introduced yourself. Um, and back at it again. <laughs> we're, we're back at it. <laughs> so let's just get into your recent health story. Tell yeah. us a little bit about that. So I think it's important to preface that I was diagnosed with PMDD in 2018, which stands for premenstrual dysphoric disorder. What was complicated about the diagnosis was that I was told that I had it. I just wasn't really given a whole lot of solutions. So it has to do with your PMS. And basically, it's a very dark, intense experience and trigger warnings all over the place. But like one of the biggest side effects is suicide. Mm -hmm. So it's that debilitating and a lot of women can't work. I've only really found support and answers and remedies via like Facebook groups because some doctors I've talked to, they're literally like, this is the first time I'm hearing about this. And I'm like, wait, how many women do you work with? (laughs) And you don't know about PMDD. Like anyone who has a period should know about it. Mm -hmm. And any doctor working with people who have periods should know about it. I I also, (laughs) the more that I'm learning, the more insane feminist, mostly misandrous that I'm becoming, Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that like the world isn't built for women, obviously. So like everything anyone's ever studied in medicine is based off of men. Mm -hmm. That's why women like die of (laughs) being fucked up by drugs because it's based off of like a male body. Yeah. So it makes 
sense to me that doctors are overlooking all female issues and writing yeah. them off as being dramatic or, oh, she's just on her period. So she's mm-hmm. just a little feeling a little sad or a little off. You're mm-hmm. like, no, like this is it's medically like actually insane. An issue. Yeah. It's always been really scary, but my PMDD didn't get bad until like, I think it was February of 2021. That was when I had like a really bad situation. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to get medicated, which I didn't want to be on birth control. Mm -hmm. I had been off of birth control for at least five years. And I liked how I felt. I felt like I had my personality back. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't want to be on birth control. So I tried to opt out of that for a really long time. But then when psychologically I was like scared of myself and mostly my thoughts, I was like, this isn't me. Like Mm -hmm. I'm having ideas of like hurting myself. And I never got to this like point of carrying out a plan, but I was like so done with it. And then it's like, okay, two weeks out of every month I have to deal with this, which is literally half my life. (laughs) And I'm like, I get it. I get why people don't want to deal with that and opt to think as deep into like suicide because it's like, what's the point of trying to like do this when no one has answers Mm -hmm. and it's like debilitating. Mm -hmm. So I've actually talked a little bit about it on my YouTube channel, if anyone's interested in like learning more about it. But it is a dark topic that I don't really dive into too often because it's so niche Mm -hmm. that what's happened is a lot of women have found me specifically from researching and I literally get like suicide notes and stuff and it's very like heavy for me. So I I kind of don't really make a lot of content right now around it because I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help people. And I, I can't. Yeah. And you're also, you're going through it. So you're like, you're yeah. saying this and like, I'm, this is my thoughts. So literally like, like, I don't <laughs> need to be dealing with your, I'm the last person that needs to deal with your thoughts mm-hmm. right now, you know? So this is incredibly important. Again, it's just, I feel like with hormones and all that stuff, mm-hmm. we don't know enough about it. And the fact that we don't know enough about it, Scary. not only the doctors, yeah. but us as women, we just mm-hmm. kind of are like meant to think that this is normal behavior. So and it's not, it's not, it's so not what I've learned through this is you really do have to advocate for yourself. Mm-hmm. And it's unfortunate that I don't know. I'm not trying to be like super woo woo here, but like big pharma doesn't care. Yeah, they don't. And, you know, it's like, let's find what can mask the situation. But like, I know that I need to heal internally. So I'm fortunate enough that I've been able to go the holistic route. Mm -hmm. And that's the only thing that's been somewhat helpful. Okay. So before I jump into that, because we'll get more into Mm -hmm. like what I'm doing now to help myself from the PMDD, I have been working out like a lot more, especially I would say since like 2018, probably around my diagnosis. I started working with personal trainers, like heavy lifting. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to like get that gym physique and I got kind of obsessed with the culture. I've had several trainers though, and they've all been incredibly different. Mm -hmm. I've had some that literally just like train from the soul and I Feel like that's kind of dangerous and i've had some that are more like science-based and driven mm-hmm. so i can't say i've ever found my perfect match because of what i deal with with pmdd it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to get someone who gets where i'm coming from so is pmdd similar to pcos and that it can help like make you gain weight more so you have to focus more on like if you want to stay let's say more slender if that's your body type um do you have to focus more on that because with pcos like 
people will have completely unexpected weight gain and they'll like be as healthy as possible, but they're still gaining so much weight. Right. And it leads to a lot of issues with women because they're like, they start taking very unhealthy routes to lose weight mm -hmm. and because they don't know what else to do. Like if mm -hmm. you're just being so healthy all the time, like it doesn't make sense. So I think yeah. that some people with PCOS often really start focusing in on their gym routine almost obsessively because yeah. you're just trying to figure out how to get rid of whatever extra. I know women who have gained very quickly, like 40 pounds, mm -hmm. and it just would not leave. Yeah. Um, and they're like, that. I, if I was a person who normally carried around, if my body was built to carry around this weight, mm -hmm. I wouldn't be concerned, but my body isn't built like this. So they, yeah. they just kind of obsess over it because they're like, what the fuck? Yeah. That's something that's hard with PMDD because in my case, I don't think it's led to weight gain for me, but I think it kind of in a roundabout way did because mm -hmm. of like emotional eating, for example, like coping eating, starting to binge and stuff like, yeah. So I guess in a way that did happen, but luckily that's like not one of the bigger side effects with it. I think okay. the difference is that PMDD is incredibly psychological. Okay. And I think PCOS, I don't really know a lot about it. Honestly, but me neither. I'm just learning. Yeah. I just got my diagnosis like two months ago. Mm -hmm. And what I love about that is the way they diagnosed me was like, it looks like you have PCOS based on a panel of hormones. Mm. So it wasn't cysts in my ovaries or anything like that. It was my testosterone was high, so I don't ovulate right now. Oh, really? And of course she was like, I got the note of that, like my testosterone's high, so they're gonna say that it's likely I have PCOS. So on the phone mm -hmm. with them and I'm like, okay, so do I have PCOS? Yeah, likely. Or is it likely? And she was like, well, I don't really know. You're gonna have to talk to the doctor. So I had to go in for a consult again with the doctor, okay. pay money, obviously. Mm -hmm. And I was like asking her all these questions about it because I don't wanna get on birth control right now. Mm -hmm. And I don't really need to uh, because I feel like there's so much about it emotionally too that goes into right. your hormones being crazy. Mm -hmm. So I went to the see her about the PCOS mm -hmm. and I was like, okay, so am I diagnosed with PCOS? And she was like, well, I mean, yeah. What? And I was like, <laughs> why can't anyone look at me and be like, you have it yes, or you don't. You're diagnosed. And I know some things can be complicated, but why yeah. do we not know that information? And she really calmed me down in my particular kind of situation because my testosterone levels were a little bit high. I just got mm. on more of the acne medication that I'm on that actually is helpful for hormonal acne. And it's used sometimes to treat things like PCOS. Oh, okay. So I just upped that and she was like, you should be fine otherwise. And if you want to have a child, you can just take medication that helps you to ovulate. Mm. In that case, you can, you know, have a baby. So that was nice to know. And she had all that information for me, yeah. but she had no information about, yeah, you for sure have PCOS. That's wild. It's the weirdest thing. And we, again, yeah. it just goes back to no one knowing what, what's going on with women, even a female doctor mm -hmm. who works on women. Yeah. <laughs> Her whole job is that. It's so disappointing <laughs> and frustrating. And I, I don't know what to do at this point. It's very, and I get why, especially in like the PMDD community specifically, they are the way they are, like so emotionally taxed and drained. Mm -hmm. Like it bleeds into areas of their life, like, what's common in the Facebook groups is people being like, my partner just broke up with me because I was having another episode. Like yeah. there needs to be support in so many ways for it, or at least like information. I've found so much peace in information. Mm -hmm. And that's what's so annoying is like, why do I know more than the doctors yeah. do about this? So I completely get that frustration and it's it's a hard 
thing to learn mm-hmm. that there is such a discrepancy with how much information there is with women's health and men's health mm-hmm. because it's like, well, we're going to put them on the back burner, even though like we're quite literally creating life on earth here. So maybe oh, no, we're like literally the best. Out. I have a theory that whatever like part of the population is being oppressed, like figures out the oppressor mm-hmm. to a T where like they know the oppressor more Ooh, than the oppressor. I believe that, And yeah. then they get so smart and cunning. And then like, mm-hmm. it's a last ditch effort to be like, we need y'all to stay down there. Yep. And I see it so much in women and in communities of color. I'm like, I know from my experience, I've gotten so fucking smart. And when I look at the women around me, I'm like, mm-hmm. these people are smarter than the men around me. Yeah. By far. Oh, yeah. More interesting to me, more multifaceted anyways. Carry, like, <laughs> emotion and pain with them like a fucking champ and then, like, make the world happen. And then exactly. deal with men on top of all of that. Yeah. And oftentimes gracefully. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going insane. I'm not being graceful anymore. <laughs> I'm trying my best. But I'm like, I fucking hate y'all so yeah. much. So I'm just amazed with the women around me. And my theory is that we are, especially with this last whole Roe v. Wade thing Mm -hmm. going on. This is a last ditch effort to keep you in your place, kind of. And because they know, like once the women have unleashed. They're on to it. I'm like Elizabeth Warren. I saw a clip of her. Did you see that clip where Mm -hmm. she was like flying out of the Capitol and she's so, she's fucking fuming. And Mm -hmm. I'm like, yes, like, yeah, they better get ready for all of us to be on that level. Because if I got to fly my ass down there to DC, like I'll come sleep on your couch. I'm I'm there. I'm going to raise hell because yeah, it's been in the works for decades. This isn't like, oh, all of a sudden we're just fucking bored. No, why do you think? Because we're getting, we've been smart. We're just loud now. Mm -hmm. So like now you're right. This is the last attempt that they have to keep us like quote unquote in our place, but it's going to backfire. Sometimes the louder we get to, the more people don't take you seriously. And that kind of goes along with like your diagnosis, for example. I don't think people take things like that as seriously, even doctors, Mm -hmm. because it is psychological and you can't like, I don't know if you physically tested for that. If you guys looked at hormone levels or if it was just like, yeah, you're like, first of all, people Mm -hmm. could misdiagnose that because it could be, you know, they're like, okay, well, you kind of have symptoms of bipolar disorder. Right. Or you have symptoms of this. And it's almost like they're, it's a guess Mm -hmm. really, because there's misinformation too. And you'd have to diagnose yourself. Right. Um, And then you get gaslit into thinking nothing is wrong. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, is something wrong? And it takes forever to figure out. It is a vicious cycle of like, am I being dramatic? And I used to really convince myself of that because it was easier than accepting that there is something wrong. There's just no answers. So I was like, yeah, maybe I'm just being dramatic. And like for the first two years of my diagnosis, I was like managing it, Mm -hmm. but I knew that something really was wrong because with added stress, it is like putting a magnifying glass on everything. And Mm -hmm. it's just like the worst feeling. So it's a lot of like, it's like having that little devil on your shoulder Mm -hmm. that, but that little devil is just trying to like attack you. Yeah, I don't have a desire to, to like, you know, do that to anyone else. I think sometimes it can be projected onto like AJ, for example, Mm -hmm. and it did at one point, like really put a strain on us. And that's when I was like, okay, I need to get help because I don't feel like I'm even in the driver's seat right now. Yeah. But it was just like kind of this manifestation of me being so tired and like out of answers. And I'm like, well, maybe, maybe you should break up with me because like, this is, I guess who I am. I relate to that so much because I suffer from severe depression, but I don't know Mm -hmm. a time when I didn't have the depression. Mm -hmm. So I have nothing to compare it to. I don't know. Like, Mm -hmm. I can't be like, oh, this isn't me. Like, I need to fix it. I'm like, this is me. This has been me since the day I was born. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. 
with Joe, I will say like, he's pretty much the only person I've ever been with that I'm like, okay, I see it manifesting mm. and I will share it with him and say like, Hey, this is what's going on right now. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry if this is happening. At first he was like, he couldn't handle it. Like really? he thought he was yeah. like, some, he was doing something wrong. He's mm-hmm. really upset about it. And I had to be like, listen, this is just my brain. And having to explain that to someone makes you sound and feel insane. Yeah. Especially a normal person. No, and I totally get both sides because mm-hmm. I didn't really experience depression until like last year. Yeah. So when I was in relationships where one of my partners might have been depressed, I always did that like, oh, it's me. Like, because I thought, well, surely if I'm a good enough partner, then like I can help the situation. I'll make them happy. And I totally learned that it has nothing to do with me. But you know, I really didn't understand that until I became depressed. Yeah. So it's so complicated. And, and I hate that. Like I had to go through it to be like, okay, it really has well, nothing to do yeah. with anyone else. <laughs> you just um, wake up and you're like, why is today really the worst day? And it's like, and I, I literally day. have like everything I need. I have food, water, clothes. Yeah. Why am I so sad? Yeah. It, it sucks. And really there's nothing you can do about it except for like nurture yourself mm-hmm. and take the proper steps to like, you know, keep moving along because it ebbs and it flows. Yeah. But yeah, that's been really, really kind of reflective for me to go through it and become more empathetic about it. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like I don't carry as much weight in terms of making people feel anyway, because I can't. Well, it's it's on them. And I think most people just want support. Like if you're asking AJ, AJ is her husband, by the way, if you're asking him, you know, what can he do for you? When I tell Joe what he can do for me, I'm Mm -hmm. just like, I just need you to support me and maybe give me both space and also reassurance that like you're here yes. if I need you. And it just knowing that in my head, it makes me feel less crazy and less mm-hmm. alone, I guess, even though I'm alone in my head dealing with all the Right. Emotion. There's so much going on here. Yeah. yeah. And you're trying to convince yourself, you know, that you're not. So mm-hmm. let's get back to your trainers and right. more of like gym culture. So you're going into, you know, working out more mm-hmm. a few years ago, you said. Yes. So I started training when I first moved to Kansas City. I had multiple trainers. I had one trainer who kind of was like, okay, and kind of gave me advice on like what things to eat. And then I had another trainer that straight up told me to eat 800 calories at one point. And me yeah. genuinely like, and this was before TikTok. So like, I really didn't know anything about proper nutrition. Like mm-hmm. what I just said that as if TikTok is an encyclopedia. I'm so t- sorry guys, but no, what I, I mean, everything on TikTok, I understand. I think I've just like learned. Yeah. yeah. I'm more aware of certain things that aren't normal because of it. Mm-hmm. I don't take advice from TikTok guys. Okay. So. <laughs> I mean, I fucking do. I actually follow so many smart people in there. I'm like, I believe you. I followed Neil deGrasse yeah. Tyson very closely and he could tell me He's like the space guy. Oh, he yes. I love him. Love it. Like, like, there's people on TikTok like that. Like, that's what my TikTok feed is. Yes. So I have learned plenty of things from TikTok. Right. It's great. Yeah. But you always have to fact check. Yeah. So like TikTok kind of helped me realize I was doing some toxic things. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm grateful for that because it was masked by gym culture. Okay. And this is for my well-being. This is for my health. But I think what I've learned is there's a very thin line between gym culture and eating disorders. And even I've had trainers even say that to me. So I know for a fact, like I'm not the only one that feels that way, but especially when I have a trainer in the past that has 
you know, recommended I eat as little as 800 calories on Mm -hmm. top of his crazy ass workouts. I'm like, what are you thinking? Like, this isn't sustainable. It's not going to last. Sure, I'll drop like however many pounds in the blink of an eye, but long term is what matters the most. And I think recently I'm learning what the long term is. Yeah. So I've also had a trainer that is very science driven and probably I would say was the best trainer I had. However, I knew that with the plan we had, I just never felt good. I never felt like I was doing the proper thing for my body. And there were Mm -hmm. times I mentioned it, I brought it up and he's just a kind of by the book guy. And that's fair. And he has incredible results, um, incredible transformations, but we're not all a one size fits all package. So I stuck with the program for as long as I could. And then my PMDD was getting worse. Okay. High intensity workouts, tracking macros, all the things. And you're probably I'm, more stressed and more literally, obsessive like right. about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that's what I learned about myself is I do have an obsessive kind of personality And that's everything I do. It's not like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with you. But Mm -hmm. like, I get obsessed with things I work on. I just get very fixated on them. Me too. And I optimize, optimize, optimize Mm -hmm. to the point where it's happened with the reason I realized it again is with Joe. Mm -hmm. I'm always trying to like optimize our relationship. Mm -hmm. And for a little while, I've cooled down now because I'm so like, I just want it to be the best, right? So I'm like, we need to do this and we need to do this and we need to answer these questions and we need to like connect deeply. And I'm like... (laughs) We don't need to do that, actually. We can, like, have some fun. <laughs> we can just watch TV, As much too. as possible, mm-hmm. yeah. And have those moments. Mm-hmm. But we don't need to be optimizing. And he yeah. never said anything like that to me. But I'm a big reflector mm. on myself. And I'm like, what am I doing that's stressing me out so much? And most of the time I realize it's I'm doing the stressing myself out. But I optimize. And then I realize it happens with working out most of the time. It happens mm. with my friendships. It happens with traveling and shopping and 1000% mm-hmm. work all my life is work you know yep. what i mean like i don't do anything else cuz i'm so tied and obsessed with this thing mm-hmm. because it gives me my validation and my structure right you know and, and a sense of control yes. i think that was kind of like the big thing i realized for me is why do i fixate on things maybe there's more to it i just i'm trying to like kind of figure it out myself but what i realized was the gym thing was a battle with me and mm-hmm. my control over myself when especially everything around me was changing really quickly. Yeah. And so kind of going back to my more like science driven trainer mm-hmm. who was definitely by far the best one I had, but still my point is like there was a big gap between understanding the female body and being able to speak to that. And I haven't found that in any trainer. So mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show again, like, you know, within the health industry, we're just understudied and especially women with specific cases like this. So I kept doing the training and everything. And around my wedding in October of last year, Mm -hmm. I started to get really obsessive. So I realized I had an issue when my husband and I took a like pre-honeymoon trip to Ocean City. And I literally packed my food scale. I packed like this huge ass thing of protein powder. Yeah. And it wasn't like, oh, like maybe we can just go here for dinner. It was like, no, like, let me check their website first. Like I had a 50 step process before anything food related. Okay. 
But on top of that, I was so controlling during the day. But then at nighttime, I would like snap and mm-hmm. binge sometimes. Closer to the wedding, I kind of really stopped doing it. And I got like down to my quote unquote goal. But also was like a shell of a human. So it was like, yeah. what's, what am I doing? Well, I think any, anytime you're doing something I've noticed for myself, because I'm the same way with optimization. And also I had a huge problem with binge eating my whole life because mm-hmm. it's how I controlled anxiety and depression, mostly right. anxiety. Mm-hmm. So it either fill a void for the depression or and I wanted to feel something. And I mm-hmm. did not leave a meal without feeling Thanksgiving level full. And if I didn't, yeah. I would go, like if I was in the middle of a panic attack, I would go into the pantry, unwrap, everything I could find and just was shoving stuff in my yeah. mouth because I wanted to feel satiated mm-hmm. and almost like in pain. Yes. You know, cause I, I don't know, it made me feel something. I don't know. I have never heard anyone say that, but also that is like, so me. Yes. Um, it was like, I can't just be satisfied. Yeah. Right. I have to be like bent over, literally bent over. Indulgent mm-hmm. because there's something about it. They brought me comfort, even though it was painful. Right. So. Right. So yeah, like I realized, okay, I'm kind of in a really bad place right now. (laughs) How did you realize? Were you reflecting on that trip or were you on the trip thinking, what the fuck am I doing? Or did AJ say something or? So sometimes I have really big epiphanies. I don't know. You can take this out if this is inappropriate, but when I'm like really high. So I- That's totally appropriate. I took an an edible and I was like, holy shit, Bria, like- what are you doing? Mm -hmm. This is not fun. This is not fun. This is so exhausting. I don't know the last time I ate a meal and enjoyed it and just like didn't feel like a terrible person and so much shame and so much guilt. And I was thinking like the last time I felt that way was probably in like high school. Mm -hmm. So, but I've it was never to this magnitude. It was never this bad. And this was so, so bad. And I was like, I am, I knew in that point I am on I'm on a very thin line of about to be in a serious eating Issue. disorder yeah. or I'm about to like turn the ship around. I don't know how to get out of it though. Mm-hmm. So I was really embarrassed first of all, like, and you shouldn't be embarrassed. I'm just saying like how I felt around it because yeah, I was so relate. like hyped for the gym, but mm-hmm. like, this was not it. And by the way, I do not blame anyone that I've worked with for this. It was like truly ignorance mm-hmm. on my behalf. And, you know, I just trusted that people around me knew better or the people I was paying understood me, mm-hmm. but they didn't. And yeah. that's that's fair. And I just hope everyone understands, like you can't have expectations that people will be able to speak to these things because unless you straight up ask them, yeah. how many people have you worked with that have PCOS or PMDD? You need to ask these questions because yeah. most of the time it's probably going to be no. They don't know. But anyways, I had my realization. And then my wedding was happening in a few weeks though. Mm -hmm. So I sent an email to my trainer and I said, I'm not going to track anymore. I'm not going to send any more progress pictures. I'm just going to come in for my workouts. I'm really not doing too hot mentally right now. And he totally understood. And um, he was like, yeah, I think that's a great idea. Like you have to do what's best for you. So moving forward, we just like, you know, had good workouts Mm -hmm. and I tried to stop tracking, but I realized I couldn't. And I was literally addicted to my fitness pal. Like, yeah, I could not live with the idea of not knowing how many calories were in something. And I'm like, this is driving me crazy. Mm -hmm. So I would literally like pull my phone out at like a restaurant and like try to find like the calories or something. It was just, ugh. I felt so disgusted with myself. Like, why are you doing this, Bria? Mm -hmm. But I knew it was a problem and I just didn't know how to stop. Mm -hmm. I'm like, I've never even heard of this. Like, does anyone else know what this is like? 
because I feel like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. So I really tried to stop around the wedding because it was also like that should have been a happy time. And it was. Yeah. But I really feel like I got in my own way because the closer I got, the more obsessive I got. Yeah. And not to mention, we were moving right after the wedding. AJ was quitting his job. We literally had so many life changes. And I go back to like the control thing because I think low key, I was doing it because I felt like scared about everything that was changing, but Mm -hmm. I didn't know how to articulate it. And I didn't even know. First of all, you weren't aware of it yourself. Like you probably knew deep in your like heart of hearts and your soul and stuff, which is why you have these realizations when you're high or something. Yeah. I think honestly... I did Molly at Coachella in 2019. (laughs) I will not do Molly again because, one, I'm scared of fentanyl and now fentanyl's and everything, but two, because that experience was so amazing and I was so overwhelmed, but in Mm. an amazing way, I think it changed my brain. Really? Forever. And Mm. I always say 25 was the best year of my life. And I think in part it's because... I did Molly one time. I'm not really. Kidding. And please don't go do Molly. It's really dangerous. Okay, please don't. <laughs> but there's something about some drugs that just affect you in a certain way that get right. you out of your own way. Yeah. And I had the best night of my entire life. And yeah. it was, again, it was too much and it was a little mm. overwhelming. But I was around people I trusted and I woke up the next morning. I didn't have any kind of like hangover from it. I think my brain, like, literally got fixed by that one experience. Wow. It opened up this whole world to me where I started being like, wait, I need to enjoy my life. Mm, or like, interesting. you're supposed to have fun. Like, mm. that's wild. So it's funny that you say that about that. I mean, I love mushrooms too. Again, yeah. please don't do illegal drugs, but I do love mushrooms. <laughs> <laughs> it grows from the earth, okay? <laughs> yeah, it does. <laughs> that's but, like the most, I don't know, the most amazing thing. And I just love that you said that. I had to note that. Yeah. I wanted to be honest. Like I didn't just come up with it. It was like, sometimes it takes a little, a little help for me. And, (laughs) you know, with PMDD, I have found a lot of like kind of peace and not necessarily coping, Mm -hmm. but I don't know what the word would be. It's just like weed has really helped me. Yeah. Yeah. And I wish it were like medically um, legal here because I really think a lot of people like me could benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Even just like the pain that you have with PMDD, everything is enhanced. Like your boobs literally hurt so bad. I mean, like everyone's does. But when I really started going through like the worst episodes, I couldn't even stand up. Yeah. And like, God forbid someone hugged me. I'm like, it felt like I was going through puberty. Do you yeah. remember boobs first started growing? Yeah. And it was like, holy shit. Like you would hit your, your chest on the desk at school and you're like in tears. It's the most painful, yeah. It was like that. And then like around like my uterus, it feels like a stabbing pain. So it's like period pains for mm-hmm. three weeks out of the month. Okay. So like that is also exhausting. But back to the training situation. Yeah. So I stopped doing all of that. And I just tried to focus on having like a good time around my wedding. And then once the wedding was over, when we got to Maui, mm-hmm. I was like in a binge state of mine. Okay. And I thought that I was giving myself space to finally just like Be. stop thinking about it. And I was, but because of how restrictive I had been for probably two or three years now, mm-hmm. it was crazy. I was eating everything. And I, yeah. I got back home. It was like after the holidays too. So probably like January, I hadn't stepped on a scale in so long because I was scared mm-hmm. I, since the wedding probably. And I was like 10 pounds up, which for me is a big jump yeah, because yeah. like normally I fluctuate like two pounds. I hadn't 
done a jump like that ever in my life. So mm-hmm. for me, that was not normal. And I was like, yeah, okay, well, I guess this is where I'm at. But also I need to like, you know, I, I just need to like let myself have this moment, this experience. If that means I gain weight, I gain weight because I need to, I can't even hear my hunger cues anymore. Yeah. Because I've been so focused on the macros, getting mm-hmm. this amount of food that I don't know when I'm hungry now. Mm-hmm. I don't know when I'm full anymore. Like I literally can't figure it out, which is a big issue. So it's like a reset or a refractory right. period that you need yeah. to allow yourself. You have yeah. to like build trust with your body again and your body does know better. Mm-hmm. So you have to like heal that. Mm-hmm. So for a while, I just kind of tried to eat like a little bit cleaner and not focus too heavily on it. But then I would kind of ebb and flow through these binge cycles of like, okay, I, I want to like gorge at night. And mm-hmm. I never made like a big thing about it. Like, I don't even know if AJ really knows how much I ate, but yeah. like, I, I'm just like a little ninja in the right night. Now. That's like, yeah. I'm in and I'm out. Like I grab yeah. what I need and I go. So like, yeah, I, I finally got to the point of being like, okay, I think this is bigger than me. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think that this is something I can fix on my own. So I ended up getting a nutritionist mm-hmm. who kind of specializes more on the like holistic side of things. So she's more driven by like supplements and there is no taking away with her approach. It's all about what can we add okay. to your I love what that. you're currently doing. And I've never heard that approach. Mm-hmm. Everything you hear is take this out, take this out, take this out. But mm-hmm. that is going to lead to eventual binging. Mm-hmm. So you need to learn how to work with your lifestyle and figure out how to like supplement it in a way so that, yeah, you can go have the fucking pizza and live your life and move on. Mm-hmm. But now your body can process that pizza better. Yeah. So it's not like making you feel like shit. Well, then you're not obsessing about the pizza too. Cause the more you're obsessing about something you can't do, right. the more you're obsessing over it. Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? So like, if you just eat the fucking pizza, just eat it. Literally and you figure it out how to deal with it. You know, it's just, it's so helpful. It helps life go so much. Smoother. It is. It is. And so it's funny because I, I booked her mm-hmm. and literally the next week before we started working together. Okay. Um, so we had just like had our consultation and we were like, okay, we're going to start working together in two weeks. Cool. Literally right after I book her, we go to one of my favorite Tex-Mex places and we always eat here. But for whatever reason, I went ham this day. Mm-hmm. Probably worse than I've done in a while. Okay. And I think, you know, I've had a lot of like career stress going on. So I was like, we're going in today. Well, I couldn't even leave the restaurant. Like, you know, that pain thing you were talking about? I couldn't stand up straight after dinner. Yeah. So I'm literally like gripping onto AJ and I'm like, I seriously, and I'm like laughing about it because I'm also kind of drunk from margaritas, yeah. <laughs> but also I'm like, this seriously hurts. It hurts. <laughs> I'm drunk and I'm, this is also so ridiculous. And like, I did this to myself. There's so, so many things going on there. Right. I'm like, I knew this was going to happen. Yeah. That's a thing. It was not surprising. No. I eat myself into Oblivion. painful, yeah. <laughs> painful situations. And, but this was like probably the worst it's ever been. So, you know, like that walk from my elevator to here is kind of mm-hmm. long. It felt like a freaking marathon. I'm like mm-hmm. ripping onto him. Like, I'm like, I need to take a break just to get from the elevator to <laughs> oh, here. And it was like the sharp pain in my side. Mm-hmm. So I figure, okay, I'll just go to sleep. Like I just ate way too much. Yeah, yeah. But then for the next six days, I had the pain and I couldn't like oh, do anything. Okay. But then like... I think the Thursday after that happened, which was almost a week later, I woke up at 3 a.m. 
with excruciating pain. Okay. I thought my appendix bursted or something. I didn't, I don't know what that feels like, mm-hmm. but I was like, something is going on and we need to go to the emergency room. So I'm literally like cat cowing on the bed on all fours at 3 a.m. And she's like, what is going on? Like you are in like, you're on demon time yeah, right something's now. something's happening here. Yeah. Yeah. So as soon as everything opened up, we went to urgent care and they were able to like find out that I had ulcers. Mm -hmm. And so basically that can happen. It has to do with like your stomach lining. So how do they find that out? So they did, they did a CT, they did, oh, ultrasound. Mm -hmm. And after doing all those things and kind of knocking out what it wasn't, they're able to point in that direction of the, it's called duodenal ulcers. Okay. So has to do with like stomach acid and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's funny because I had a vlog in San Diego and the entire vlog, if you literally go watch it, this is before the ER thing. I'm like, my stomach hurts. I'm literally taking shots of Pepto yeah. after every meal. This is before I got the diagnosis, but it was so bad in San Diego. And then I started to get like massive heartburn. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even lay down. It was so bad. I felt like a chest pain. Okay. And then they're like, yeah, because your stomach acid is literally all over the place. Like it's your stomach lining is not right. right (laughs) So that's why it's making you feel like you're a pregnant woman Mm -hmm. with all this heartburn. So, yeah, it was I got that diagnosis. And then when I was talking to my nutritionist, she's like, "Okay, a lot of this is making sense now because like you've been in this state of stress for how long? maybe a couple of years. Yeah. Okay. You've been binging and like having these cycles and it's literally tearing your stomach apart. And Mm -hmm. like now it's hard for you to process and digest stuff. So basically our tactic was to get my body in what she calls like rest and digest. Okay. Because I, my body's in the state of stress. Cortisol's up here. So the workouts I was doing, the high intensity workouts, not the vibe. Okay switched over to low impact, more like Pilates, like Mm -hmm. walking. And I really truly knew I was holding on to so much water and like puffiness. I feel that. That like, it was crazy in a matter of two weeks of implementing a few things with her, which weren't drastic at all. It was like adding berries in the morning before I eat breakfast, Mm -hmm. like putting my legs up on the wall after I have a meal to like help digest my food. I have a few supplements that also like encourage the intestines to relax so that they can Mm -hmm. process and digest the food better. I need to know what supplements those are. Yeah. I will literally show you before you leave. Like it has changed my life. And I'm like, that's why I'm so hype about it right now. Because Mm -hmm. I didn't think, first of all, TMI, that I would be able to ever poop like a normal person. I can't poop like a normal person. Everything you're saying right now, by the way, I had an issue one night when I was visiting Joe last year where we had just had sex. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I didn't know where this was coming from. But after, I would say like probably an hour after it was in the middle of the night, I was keeled over on the bed, like literally like in the fetal position. Mm. And it hurt so bad, almost like a period cramp. Mm. But like, it wasn't a period cramp. And then I thought my appendix burst. Mm -hmm. And I'm not wanting to go to the ER, okay? Mm -hmm. Joe was literally like, we have to go to the ER. Like, I've never, ever seen you in even slight pain before like this. Like, yeah. so I went, they couldn't do anything for me. They couldn't do any ultrasound or anything like that. So they just kind of were like, you have to sit here and wait till it subsides. Because I got diagnosed with PCOS, my doctor told me, and there's no actual like evidence of this. It's just what she was saying. Like she's like, okay, because you likely have PCOS, mm-hmm. that episode was probably a cyst bursting. 
where you're oh. internally bleeding for a little while and then it subsides. Oh my gosh. And she's like, it's like the number one thing women in their 20s go to the ER for, which first of all, I'm like, why do I not know this? Yeah, what? What? <laughs> I am a woman in my 20s. <laughs> um, and she was like, you, it probably just because you're bleeding out from the inside, your body ends up stitching itself and healing itself, but it just Whoa. takes a little bit. So I'm like in the, you know, thing with her and I get on the phone with Joe and I'm like, I was bleeding internally, apparently, but it also, I could 1000% honestly have ulcers because I'm exactly like that. Every, if I drink water, my stomach starts getting bloated. Like it's bad. Yeah. It's digestion is, I mean, it's literally everything. Well, I also grew up pooping once a week and Mm -hmm. I thought that that was normal. Oh, wow. You said once a week, my brain auto-corrected that to once a day. I was like, once a week. I thought that that was normal behavior. And I would sit on the toilet for an hour trying to poop oh, and no. no one noticed. Like I need to I'm give like, you, I need to give you Sarah's information. Yeah, That's like, my well, nutrition. Where are you? Why are you not like paying attention? She's like, I don't know. Like you're, there's so much going on. You weren't like telling me when you were pooping. I'm like <laughs> once a week, what the fuck? Holy but shit. I feel that the disdain for not knowing when you're going to poop next. And you're like, literally so much in me that I feel like I'm going to be one of those people that they're going to like look at my intestines and be like, yeah, there's like stuff in there. You could have like <laughs> the blockages. Yeah. One of my friends just went to the ER and they found that she had like compacted shit. She's literally like this. She's no, so tiny. I think that's what I have. And it's like, well, the crazy thing is she does go to the bathroom normal. So like, you just never know. Mm-hmm. Like anyone could have issues at this point, but also it's like, what the hell is going on with food these days? Because also I feel like that's a whole other TED talk I'm not going to get into. But like (laughs) what I've also learned is the quality of food has an impact also. Like I Mm -hmm. don't get me wrong. I love my Cheetos. Like I love processed fast food shit. Like that is my jam. I've had to cut. I've had to cut that. I I have to. Almost completely down. Seriously. Like and it's not necessarily now that I've looked at it from the perspective of like I am truly doing this to just feel better and exist Mm -hmm. you know it's not as hard but when I had the mindset of like oh I want to fit in my wedding dress like yeah yeah well it gets so bad to the point where you're like honestly sometimes that stuff doesn't even sound good because I'm like my body is rejecting it now because I grew up on Wendy's I had Wendy's every single night for dinner at 9 Mm p.m from ages 10 to 13 Mm -hmm. like that's not good. Right. <laughs> that right. was disgusting. Eating a hamburger every single night from fast food. No, same. I, I was like, that That was what we did in our pastime. Like when I was growing up here, it was like, we didn't have anything to do. We didn't have a lot of money. So we go to Cane's, like we go to Whataburger. Oh, and like, so good. Yeah. I know, <laughs> I don't like now I'm really Fuck. hungry. We'd hang out like at food places. And yeah. that was kind of like how I started to socialize around mm-hmm. like food and stuff. So it was hard for me to kind of get with that concept because I, it was like associated with joy and like mm-hmm. having a good time and it should be. And community and being with your friends. Right. And, like, and it should be. Yeah. And so it shouldn't be like this whole thing of like, you should enjoy the food that you eat. You shouldn't have to think it's like not tasteful. Like mm-hmm. you can do both. Yeah. You can do both. It might take a little bit of rearranging your lifestyle, but you can do both ultimately with the concept that like you're benefiting like 10 years from now, Bria. Or well, also listening to yourself is right. a huge part of this. Like I've realized, cause we're talking about kind of health and wellness, like, and you know, your eating habits and kind of how you look at them in general, which mm-hmm. by the way, it's taken me to this point being 28 years old to like start getting clarity on same, this same. and start looking to myself more than other people to yes. tell me how to f- deal with my own body. I'm like, okay, well, what do you want? Like my exactly. entire life has now become, most of the episodes in this podcast are about, all right, hey, I'm going to give you some advice on how I handle things, but mm-hmm. you need to trust yourself and listen to yourself rather yeah. than going to external sources all the time. Of course, there are things you need to have professionals yeah. for, 
But with my whole like health and wellness thing, it took me a long time after the binging and all that stuff mm-hmm. to really sit with myself and be like, all right, what can you eat in your diet that you enjoy that is good for you? I sat there one day and listed everything that I like that's actually good for me. And then mm-hmm. I was like, all right, how do I build like, the typical workout or the typical meal? How do I build that? And I'm like, okay, well, you need fiber to poop. Mm-hmm. You need fat to keep you like satiated. You need protein to like mm-hmm. support your body and keep you satiated. And you need some kind of complex carb. Yes. And I, when I think about it like that, I'm just like, oop, okay, slot, slot, It's slot. just a little equation. And then I'm like, okay, these are the foods I like. I'm going to slot them in yes. there. Sometimes I eat things that don't make sense together, but I want to enjoy the food that I'm eating. Right. Like sometimes you just want what you want. And like, that's kind of the approach that like my nutritionist has taken. Like mm-hmm. I don't track calories anymore, but what she has taught me is like, okay, look at your plate. Yeah. Is half your plate veggies. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. Great. Check that box. Do you have like a fourth protein like or like a palm size protein? Yeah. Do you have like a palm size of carbs on your plate? Also, by the way, carbs, I used to be really terrified of mm-hmm. like white rice and now I have it like every night and it's yeah. like a big deal for me. <laughs> but she was like, no, I want you to have like white rice like every night because and before bed, she's like carbs support sleep and yeah. like you need it for energy. And crazy enough, I don't wake up in the middle of the night anymore. Oh, so like nice. it's helped me with sleep and everything. And it's just crazy to see how like my body is responding so quickly to these changes Mm -hmm. and like my energy is up. My mood is, I mean, your gut health is in control of your mood. So like, if that's not okay, the mind is not okay. It's everything. Yeah. Right. Like your serotonin is made in your gut. So like if it's no wonder I've been all over the place, like Mm -hmm. I'm not supporting myself properly. So now that I understand like, everything is okay to eat. And Mm -hmm. like, I'm trying to do better about not thinking too far into that. I just focus on what it looks like. Okay. Are there colors on my plate? And it's more of a simple approach. Yeah. It's not like get a thousand grams of protein, which I used to be so obsessed with. I didn't get my protein for the day. Literally gagging down like Greek yogurt. Mm -hmm. I I cannot look at Greek yogurt anymore. (laughs) Don't offer me a parfait ever. (laughs) Disgusting to me. There's so many foods I will never eat again because of how I like abused them during that gym era. Well, I think also like, as you're saying, you're basically saying this, like the perspective with which you approach the meal Mm -hmm. and the stress you give yourself building it is almost just as important as the actual nutrients on your plate. It is. And my nutritionist actually sent me a literal study Mm -hmm. of in Thailand, they gave women like two different plates of food Mm -hmm. and one that they enjoyed that was like native to them and one that wasn't native to them. And the ones that enjoyed their meal absorbed more nutrients. And so that says so much in terms of like your body needs nutrients to process everything. So like if you're not getting that, then like if you're stressed out and you have too much cortisol going on, it really conflicts with other things in your Mm -hmm. body. So like now that I understand how impactful stresses I'm like going out of my way to keep it down yeah I have this like spray I'll have to show you Mm -hmm. it's like instant stress relief it's GABA and something I'll show you when we're done I've tried supplements but honestly I always give up on them because I'm like well then I heard this other thing was what works and this other thing's what works you know what I mean instead of approaching it like kind of feel like you are now at a place where I'm like all right, it's going to take a little while to try these various things. Right. And I have to start really paying attention to my body and how it feels when I try them. Because I said this a couple episodes ago, but I took a hormone test in the the morning one morning and sent it in for this like skincare brand. And they were going to send me skincare based on those hormones. And they had a whole chart like 
done for me that said, okay, your progesterone's here. This is here. This is here, you know, and it had like a little area where it said, this is the normal zone. Mm -hmm. Every single one of my hormone levels was in that normal zone, except for my cortisol dot. So I couldn't find where that was on the graph. (laughs) And I'm looking at it on the graph. I'm like, where the fuck is that dot? And I go all the way to the very fucking end of the graph. And they were like, we actually don't make the graph to account for this level of cortisol, but we put it on the very end so you can know that it's on there, but just know that it's incredibly high. And like, that's horrible. And I know, I know that feeling. Like Mm -hmm. I wear that aura ring now to track my heart rate. And there are times in the day where my heart rate is so insanely high to the point where like, I'm like, was I at cycling at that time? And it's like, no, I was at the nail salon. (gasps) I had so much anxiety that I've suppressed in myself because I'm like, you have to act normal. Right. So I'm like, I have so much stress and anxiety. My cortisol is off the charts. So if you've got a spray for me. (laughs) That is wild. But you're, you know, if you're in fight or flight your whole life, like Mm -hmm. it does affect your stomach. It affects all these things. So watching, getting that result was honestly incredibly empowering, Mm -hmm. which is how I'm sure you felt when you're in the, you know, in the ER. Yeah. To have like like, an answer was kind of nice. Yes. It makes you calm down immediately, honestly, to know. Right. Even if it's still wrong, it's still happening. You're like, okay, well, I'm a little less stressed about it now. Yeah. And, and Sarah, like, luckily I had just started with her. So mm-hmm. she was kind of like following my journey because I was posting stories about it and she's just been on top of it. And this mm-hmm. isn't new to her. Like she's very well aware of what happens with like that constant stress, even if it's like minimal over yeah. time, like it, it is, wears you down. It's going to wear you down and in, in ways that you might not be aware of. Mm-hmm. So that's when they're like, Oh, like I'm working out like crazy. I'm not losing any weight. Like Hmm. Interesting. I've heard this before. (laughs) Interesting. But also like now that I understand that high intensity workouts weren't like the best for me, Mm -hmm. it's like something people should look into. Like I see it all the time, like women going absolutely apeshit in the gym Mm -hmm. and like two a days or whatever, crazy amounts of cardio, like sprints, burpees, all the things. And then they're like, why am I inflamed? Because you're putting your body under so much stress. A lot of stress. And I'm not saying this is a one size fits all. It's not. Mm-hmm. Some people can do high intensity and it's great. Yeah. But for someone like me, it's not great. Mm-hmm. And I knew this in the back of my head for so long. I just didn't have any like proof or, mm-hmm. you know, diagnosis behind it. And now that I do have all these things that have lined up with the PMDD, the ulcers and everything in one big smoothie, yeah. um, it's like, all right, well, I'm not crazy. <laughs> yeah. So right now to kind of deal with everything you're doing, you said low impact workouts. Mm-hmm. How often do you work out? Would you say? So I go on a long walk, weather permitting, mm-hmm. like every day, at least like two to three miles. And that's just like a part of my morning routine now, something I really look forward to. I don't look at it as a workout at all. I just look at it as like me time. Yeah. So takes me about an hour, maybe, maybe less, probably less. It just clear my head. And like, sometimes I'll, you know, listen to a podcast or like a YouTube video. But a lot of the times I just like to put my earbuds in so people don't talk to me, but I just like listen to the birds I do and like, yeah, ambient <laughs> yeah. sounds. And it's so like calming. Mm-hmm. And I usually go really early. So it's like, there's a bunch of kids like playing and laughing, yeah. going to school. And I'm like, I don't know, there's something so peaceful about that. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like my meditative time. And then I also started doing like the Tracy Anderson method, which is like, she like does 
very low impact workouts that are kind of they're also kind of difficult and challenging, yeah. which I like. But oh, I've done still... her arms workout. Okay, on yeah. YouTube, so many. She's times. crazy. Yeah, yeah. She's crazy. <laughs> but she trains like Gwyneth Paltrow mm-hmm. and um, Jennifer Lopez and like a bunch of celebrities. She has like an online program that's pretty expensive, but like low key. I've only been doing her workouts for a few weeks, and like I am noticing some differences, really? like in my arms and like. I think with the nutrition, I just like naturally kind of flushed out some excess weight that I was holding on to. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now that I'm working with Sarah, like, and the Tracy Anderson method, it was like the perfect combo for me. Okay. So now I'm starting to feel like I'm in my body again. Yeah. Which is kind of like weird because for the last literally two years, I felt like I was renting this body, mm-hmm. didn't feel connected to myself at all. And I was so just like not kind about it and not like forgiving about it and Mm -hmm. not understanding about it because I just wanted to like look a certain way. But also I'm like, man, my body does so much for me. Like you really have to learn how to come from a place of love, even though it's really hard to do because if you're like me, you're going to blame yourself for everything. But your body is literally like telling you like, hey, this is what I need. Well, it's like it's like if you don't picture your body or if you don't look at your body like it's yours it's easier to treat it badly exactly it's almost like a guy who like uses you for sex Mm -hmm. or something or for the way that you look and you're like he doesn't want to hear you he doesn't want to like he doesn't want anything from you spiritually he doesn't want to connect with you he just wants to use you for pleasure for himself yeah and it's like you're treating your body no that's (laughs) such a good example yeah yeah it really was because I I didn't have a lot of love for myself and like you know, I was just respect kind of, at that point. You yeah. Know? I was really frustrated and I'm like kind of like resentful of myself for mm-hmm. like not being able to get to a certain place or do certain things. And even with PMDD, I used to just like be really hateful about it. But it was hard because it's so psychological. It's like, are these my thoughts or is this just what oh, I felt? Yeah. I you feel know? that big time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it was a lot going on. But ultimately, like I have hope finally that like I can get to a place where I feel connected with my body again. Mm -hmm. I'm already starting to get there. And it's been like a very short journey since like the ER visit and working with my nutritionist. But ultimately, like you said, we know better than anybody. Mm -hmm. We really do. And I don't care who's in the white coat, like your body is going to tell you how you feel and you have to listen to it. And it can be hard to do, especially Mm -hmm. if you've if you were like me, like drowning out the hunger cues for so long and yeah, all of that. And I realized like not everyone has access to nutritionists and stuff. And so that's something that I kind of like started to think about recently because I honestly, to be straight up, I don't know what I would do if I didn't have Sarah. Like, yeah, this isn't my space. Yeah. This isn't something I'm knowledgeable about. And there's so much information on the internet that is so wrong and so it's dangerous mm-hmm. and it can really hurt people. Yeah. So well, I think a lot of it has to do with for a long time in my life, for example, when I was in pain, mm-hmm. I looked at my ignoring of that pain as strength. Like mm-hmm. I was like, Oh, I'm so tough. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm in a lot of pain. I'm depressed and I hate myself in my life, but I can look past it and get through and get the work done. Right. Yeah. And then my family I grew up in a family that's like, we have to sacrifice parts of yourself to win or to be excellent at things. And the more I move forward in life, when it comes to mental stuff, when it comes to physical stuff, like no one needs to be going through pain every single day in order to feel resilient and tough. Like your body's telling you what the fuck's up. Like it's not a badge of honor. It's really not. It's stupid. Honestly. Another thing I was going to say about the nutrition thing, I was reading a lot about, obviously food prices are going 
through the fucking roof recently. And they've always been so high and going to Whole Foods or a central market is so expensive. And I will say I make more than the average person. And I still, I look at those prices and I'm like, who the fuck is buying this? (laughs) Like, But I was reading something and I listened to this girl on TikTok. She's like a European nutritionist. Mm -hmm. And she was saying the way Americans look at food is just almost overconsumption. Like they buy too much food. Mm -hmm. And she was like, in Europe, we've been spending a good amount of money on food and doing so slowly, especially in the cities Mm. where we spend a good amount of our paycheck on food, but we're like, duh, obviously we're going to spend a good amount of our paycheck on food because this is everything for our bodies. That's so interesting. And the more I started looking at it like that, the more I have started prioritizing that in my budget instead Mm -hmm. of feeling bad about it. I've been like, okay, this is really important. It might be the most important thing that I spend my money on. Yeah. And you don't need to, you can be smart about it. You can look at like the, you know, the clean 15 or whatever the fuck that is to not buy organic. And you can look at ways to do it on a budget. But that whole perspective has changed my life yeah. with approach to food. And I'm, I'm happier to spend more money on it mm-hmm. because I end up buying less food, which means I don't have a ton of stuff going to waste in my kitchen because I don't want to spend so much money on shit I'm not right. going to eat. Um, and I only buy the things that are going to be good for my body mm-hmm. because that's my whole approach to food now yes. is that it's incredibly important. I need to get on board with the supplements though. Cause sometimes those things cost so much money. Yeah. Honestly. And, well, and I get them cheap because if you go through like your nutritionist, mm-hmm. they usually have like a dashboard. Okay. So it's, it's more affordable. There's okay, like a cool. heavy discount, like yeah. 30, 40%. But yeah, like I pretty much anything she recommends me. I like have gotten it so far. And she's also like, the only thing I have to be careful of is like taking too much stuff to where it feels like, okay. We well, don't know it's working. Right. Yeah. Like, I don't know what to take at this point. And for a minute, I was like a little overwhelmed, but then I just kind of like took what I felt I needed to take and gotten a good system. Mm-hmm. But she's really good. Like if you feel overwhelmed, she's like, look, just tell me, we'll rearrange. Yeah. Just like so casual. It's mm-hmm. Nothing is like a big deal. And I feel like that has been like a big perspective of me working with her too. It's like really less is more. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean eating less is more. I mean like less is more when it comes to like thinking about food. Yeah, It's literally so simple. And like we are just living in a place where we're conditioned to make it such a big deal. Mm-hmm. There's hella diet plans that are really just for profit. Yeah, well, all it's all these, capitalism. This, the food's supposed yeah. to be... The easiest way to make it, the companies want to make more money. And then we all are convinced that we have to buy, like spending a lot on food is a huge Mm -hmm. like rip off. So then we're going to buy this shitty food for cheaper. And some people, of course, that you have to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Like there's people that going to McDonald's for their family is easier than going to the store, Mm -hmm. right? And I'm not really, I can't speak to that kind of lifestyle because it's just not the one I live. But Mm -hmm. for a person who grew up in the middle class, who, you know, very later in my life moved to the upper class, I realized the difference between the food in both of those places, by the yeah. way, is yeah. people spend more money on the experience and dining in mm-hmm. the upper class than they do in the middle class, which is a whole nother right. topic. And they just want it quick and easy, similar to the diet plans. We want it quick and easy. We don't want to listen to our bodies. We want mm-hmm. a quick, easy answer that we can buy real quick on sale for 20% off that day. Totally. And then we just want to like an immediate response an immediate answer from that diet plan. Yeah. And we're sold all this bullshit that we don't, it's not helpful. No, it's not. And there's a huge issue with it. And like, like you're saying, there's differences in like income Mm -hmm. and it really is so unfortunate because I don't think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like in Europe, it's not like you're forced to eat 
bad quality food no. because of your like income status. And no. here that is a thing. Like you're going to be eating more processed food probably if you can't afford to get like the whole food. Yeah, which leads to more health issues right. which, and you don't necessarily have insurance all the and time. That's so, it's expensive to so do that. So incredibly fucked up. Everything's really fucked is. up. I always want to note that because I can only speak from my perspective and I mm-hmm. feel like a lot of the times I don't want to alienate people in my audience, but mm-hmm. I also can only share from my perspective. Totally. So when I'm sharing about this, y'all know, like, you'll need to know that I know. Yeah. <laughs> Not everyone can prioritize. Honestly, like, I grew up on ramen noodles. Like, yeah. there was a point when, like, my mom and dad got divorced for a few years. They got back together. Mm-hmm. But anyways, during that time, like, mom was, <laughs> she was off duty. Yeah. And I was, like, a ramen noodle girl. And I literally had, <laughs> this is, like, <laughs> funny and sad, whatever. But in, like, first grade, my face I didn't gain weight in my body. Just my face like blew yeah, up because like, it was like so much sodium. Yeah, a lot of salt. And <laughs> everyone in my family called me ramen noodle head. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> like so shady. Also, I wasn't cooking for myself. Yeah, so. not my fault. Not my <laughs> not, problem. Not my fault. But I know like looking back, like, it, I mean, it was funny, but mm. my mom was just trying to make ends meet. So Absolutely. like, you know, the kids cuisine, like it wasn't the healthiest option, even though I thought it was bomb. Oh, I love <laughs> I freaking love that microwave brownie. (laughs) It was like a brownie with corn. Like, what a a weird Or a hamburger helper, anything from a box. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) I love the hamburger helper. But, I mean, I look back at that realizing, like, you know, I might have gained weight in certain ways, but also it was the best we could do. Yeah. And now I feel like going back to TikTok, I've learned there's, like, accounts that do spinoff of, like, processed food, making it, like, healthier. And I wish I knew one off the top of my head. But just like adding in veggies with like the hamburger helper Mm -hmm. and these creative things so that it's more nutrient dense for people who maybe can't afford to eat like that. So if any of you know what the name of any of those accounts are, that'd be helpful, but I cannot think of it. (laughs) But it's things like that, that like TikTok has truly helped like kind of expand the perspective of how to make things work a little bit better. So yeah. I think that's good. I just want to make sure that people don't think like we're sitting here being like, well, Mm-hmm. You should just prioritize this because it's so important. No, to I completely you know, know I mean? like, that having a nutritionist is a freaking privilege. Mm-hmm. And um, you've worked hard for that privilege. Yes, you know absolutely. I mean? Absolutely. So like, don't discount it, but it is a privilege. You know, It what I mean? is. And yeah. the way I look at it and what I tell my followers is like, because I got a naturopathic doctor last year in Kansas City around PMDD mm-hmm. when I was really, really not doing too hot. Yeah. And just wasn't getting the help I needed from doctors. So I went that route. It was literally $300 a visit. So freaking expensive. But what I did was I took that information and then I told my followers about it. Mm -hmm. So then like, you guys just use me, you know, since I do have the ability to go to these doctors, like I can't give you recommendations, but like, look at it as more of a remedy and a recommendation and make the judgment off of yourself and then maybe run it by your doctor. Yeah. But it's so sad that we can't have equal access. Yeah. Like, and, and I don't really know what to do about that, but I can only share my experience mm-hmm. and hope that, you know, someone it's helpful. can, yeah, it's helpful. You can especially, take something away. Yeah. Especially when you're not getting any answers. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, with PMGD, I only got offered either birth control or an antidepressant. Mm-hmm. One of the two wasn't depressed. Mm-hmm. I realized that my depressive episodes were correlated to okay. my PMDD episodes. So it was kind of like a, a all-in-one package deal, mm-hmm. but it wasn't like depression was the underlying issue. Yeah. So your self-advocacy though and your understanding of yourself, I think is what obviously has led you to 
clarity, a better understanding, Mm -hmm. but it sucks sometimes that it takes anyone, but especially women who I feel like we don't advocate for ourselves enough. It takes you a while of living in your body. And then sometimes almost living outside of your body, like it's not yours to come to these realizations and this clarity, but that's totally normal. And if you're someone, I know my audience skews a little bit younger. Mm -hmm. So if you're someone who's having problems with this, just know it's not abnormal. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And like, if you feel seen and heard by this, I feel like that's great to share. And if anyone, if there's key takeaways, obviously it's listen to your body Mm -hmm. and prioritize this and advocate for yourself if you know something's wrong. Yeah. I think like bringing more normalcy to like how difficult food is, especially in America, I think it helps just so much to know that you're not crazy. You're not alone. I mean, think about it. We literally live in like a filtered world mm-hmm. of like, we don't know what's real. Everyone's getting surgery and there's nothing wrong with that, but it obviously puts an impression on like our own Us, self-perception. Yeah. And so it leads to these crazy things of wanting to attain these goals in the gym and look a certain way. And it's all just like a cycle of, you know, make them think they need to change their bodies and then also make the food like terrible. Like yeah. you really can't win out here and it takes a lot of effort, but it also takes a lot of education and you just need to find the right people and professionals that can speak to that. But yeah, yeah you guys are not alone in that. And I personally am just now starting to like vocalize this because I internalized it for so long. Yeah. I think this is the first time I'm like really talking about well, you it. You have now like more perspective, I think, because when yeah. you're going through it, it's really hard to talk about something because it's it so confusing that all you're going to come out with is a bunch of mumbo jumbo that doesn't make any sense right. to you Right, and I had nothing else. to offer with it. So I didn't, I mean, I've been wanting to talk about this for a long time, like mm-hmm. maybe almost a year. But at the time it was like, I have nothing to say other than like, I binge. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're just explaining your current scenario. And I think, and like at the back of my mind, I always know when I'm at that point, because right now with the PCOS thing, I get so many questions about how do you deal with it? What's going on? And I can never answer them because I'm like, dude, I have no idea. Like I'm just a person. I'm not a doctor. I have to try a bunch of things. So I don't Mm -hmm. ever acknowledge what I do to help it because I'm like, I'm not there yet. And if I tried to explain it, it would be bullshit. Like I can't Mm -hmm. explain this to you. Right. So it's nice to finally, after years of obviously what you went through to have not only some answers, but now you have the perspective because you're mm-hmm. seeing the things that you're doing right now work, which yeah, is which a beautiful is, time. It's like a miracle. Yeah, it really is. And I hope that that's like, you know, kind of helpful to other people. Mm-hmm. You really don't have to live your life like this. There is like freedom around food and like, I'm not there yet, but mm-hmm. like, I know that I will get there because yeah. I'm already just like seeing so much improvement I like don't do the binging thing anymore, Mm -hmm. like, which is absolutely insane. But yeah, like what I've learned too with my nutritionist, and this is really important, is blood sugar regulation. That's huge for PCOS. Huge. Also with binging, Mm -hmm. because if you're regulating your blood sugar, you're not likely to have as many of those cravings Mm -hmm. where you're like, I need sugar right now, or I need like, and that leads to less cravings. Like you regulate your blood sugar once and you don't crave and then you don't binge, which doesn't fuck up your blood sugar again. The whole cycle is just stopped almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's actually really interesting because the PCOS thing, the reason, the thing I do one thing for PCOS is building meals that have complex carbs, Mm -hmm. protein and fat Mm -hmm. and fiber. Like it's again, so simple. And I don't know why I didn't start doing this earlier, Literally, but I'm like, that's all it takes is just making sure that, oh, Hey, if I have something really more sugary, I need to add in some extra fat into that Mm -hmm. meal. 
like not take away the sugary thing. If I want the sugar, if I have ice cream, I need to add in like peanut butter or like something mm-hmm. that offsets that. Right. Which is pretty easy to look up like kind of not data on that, but examples of things mm-hmm. you can combine, which by the way is you can look on Pinterest for that if you want. But yeah. it took me a while to realize that. But the blood sugar thing was it's such crazy. a huge issue like in my life. And yeah, everything. It like drives our cravings. And I've just learned so much around that because I didn't realize. I know that I have like these massive cravings out of nowhere, mm-hmm. but it's not out of nowhere. It's because like, well, one thing that's helped is me eating every three hours okay. to regulate blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And I've noticed that like, well, one, I'm like definitely full more often during the day in like a good way. Yeah. But then when I get towards the end of the day, I don't even yeah. want it anymore. And, and you're not, I never thought I'd get there. You're not experiencing like the, let's say I always get like very tired and things are hurting. I'm feeling like cloudy kind of in yes, my brain. Yes, like brain fog. Yeah. yeah. It's all food-based for me, yes. I've realized, obviously. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, it's so obvious, but I'm just like, why did I not? Why did it take 28 years for me to right. be like, oh, this clicks? Because I thought I because, was smart. Because no, it's so hard. Mm-hmm. When did we ever learn in school Nothing, about blood sugar, ever. regulating our blood sugar? Like, I think the only way they would tell you is if you had like an actual issue. If like you, If you had diabetic. diabetes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the only time. And so it's- I It mean, should be like basic- education. It's also so dangerous. Like that's the culprit in like most dangerous illnesses. And that's what leads to stress Mm -hmm. and your stomach and your moods and like all of these hormonal issues, Mm -hmm. which has been crazy to learn. So if you guys are experiencing this too, another takeaway is check out how to regulate your blood sugar. I feel like that will be very helpful, even like in moods and things Mm -hmm. like that. It's huge. But Thank you so much for yeah. all of your information. I want you to tell us where we can find you on the internet. All of her links will be down below. And then also let us know about anything new that yeah. you just want to tell everyone about. Yeah, well, you guys can find me at the handle Habria Jones on all platforms. I have Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all the things. And one exciting thing on the radar is I'm going to be like P one day and give my own (laughs) podcast. So look out for that. I haven't really released any information yet. So, but that is on the radar and I'm really excited about it. So follow you and you'll probably have updates for that. Definitely. I think it's really cool that you're doing a podcast because you had one before. Mm -hmm. So you have some experience, you know how it goes. But the first time I ever recorded with Bria, which is why I didn't send you questions this time. Cause sometimes for people I have to send questions and like oh, kind of really? have them prepped. And the way I tell stories, if you can tell by this podcast, most of the time I'm all over the place and I'll like remember something and then be like, Oh, this, there's this. And oh, there's yeah. This. It's like a real conversation. Yes. But you're the only person, the only person I swear that I have recorded with who tells stories linearly. Really? And like, you can hop off on a thing, but you always remember what we're coming back to. That's, that is true. I do that in my YouTube videos. You're really good at that naturally, where I have to like edit myself that way. You have way. to remember, yeah. So yeah, when I first recorded with her, I was like, do you have a podcast? Because the <laughs> way that you're talking, like you are thinking linearly and thinking of the audience almost. But I think yeah. it's just the way you naturally tell things. Because I just forget there's an audience and I'm like, dee, 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 literally dee, in my brain, it's like a signal that's like, you need to close this one out. Yeah. Like, I don't know why it does that, but like, I literally have like a mental note. Like, yeah, you didn't finish that thought and it's important. Which means you're <laughs> a good storyteller. I can do that in writing, but it's hard for me to do that when I'm speaking. Yeah, it, it can be hard. Yeah. So I feel like you're kind of built for podcasting. So I can't wait I'm to hear excited. it. I'm <laughs> excited. Like, and so my last podcast for reference, I had to stop it because of the PMDD. Okay. So this is like, it's a big moment. It's like the comeback. And now that like my health is getting better, I mm-hmm. feel like it's perfect timing. You don't have to say the name, obviously, because it's going to be a surprise. But do you have a name? 
I do. And also, okay. I want to talk to you about it after because okay, cool. I'm like not sure, but I, I don't know. All right. We'll talk about it. Mm-hmm. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go find Bria online and I'll put all of my links down below as well. And I'll talk to y'all next week. Thank y'all so much for listening to today's episode. You can catch a new episode of Note to Self every Thursday. Please, please don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss out on any of the good stuff. I always want to hear from you, so please leave a rating and review if you have a sec. Follow Note to Self on social for all the behind-the-scenes action and more info about the show at NTS by PS on Instagram and at Note to Self Pod on TikTok. And I'll talk to y'all next week.